Welcome to Black Women's Health. This is Dr. Rahman, and we continue with our discussion about breast cancer from three very different perspectives. Carmen continues, and please excuse the static. Well, I have a mammogram every year anyway, but now I'm experiencing a discharge in my right nipple. It's not a lot, and it's not painful. I'm scheduled for, in fact, the 6th of, of January, I'm scheduled to have um, my annual mammogram. 6th of June, I'm sorry, not January, my annual mammogram. But with this COVID situation, I don't know if they're still going to do it, you know. I no longer have a primary because my primary was in at uh, Hahnemann affiliate. She was at Drexel Medicine, and they closed down their their um, practice. So I'm like searching, you know. And Joan has told me she said, "Carmen, that's how it started with me. Make sure that you you know you're aggressive about what you're doing." You say it again. Joan has told me she said, "Carmen, that's how it started with me. Make sure that you you know you're aggressive about what you're doing." You. What would you, how would I, what do you suggest that I go in? What information? I mean, I'm, of course, I'm going to give it my, my family history with my aunt. You know, I don't know of any other relatives that have had, that have um, had um, breast cancer. I have, you know, uh, relatives with other forms of cancer, but um, not breast cancer. So, so any, any accredited radiology department knows that when you, especially if you're getting a diagnostic mammogram, mm -hmm. they always go to other institutions where you've had mammograms and get the last two or three years worth of mammograms um, uh, sent over, you know, digitally to compare because what they're looking for is a change. Okay. So, so that should not be an issue. Even if the hospital has closed down, because Hahnemann has closed down. Oh, so that's why I'm unable to get the records because they're closed. Okay. Down. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Well, that might be an issue. Okay. Well, even, even in that, um, you know, if your mammogram doesn't show anything abnormal, you can still request. And, and some people will say, well, get a ductogram, which I don't believe in. I mean, they'll they'll put a little cannula in your milk duct and then shoot some dye in there and take x-rays and try to find subnormality. I think that's an entire waste of time. Okay. But uh, a general and breast surgeon that has been experienced with this would know how to do a biopsy under local anesthetic and um, um, sedation in the operating room to excise that duct and make sure there's nothing going on. And if it's one side, um, you know, that's worth doing, I think. It may turn out to be benign. Now, if it's milky discharge for both sides, that's a whole different ball of wax. But if it's just one side, even with a normal mammogram and an ultrasound, that's worth doing because... Uh Go ahead. So if it's both sides, it's nothing to worry about? No, if it's milky discharge from both sides and you're not pregnant, that is a concern. That needs to be worked up. You need something called a prolactin level, which is the hormone that makes um, the breast make milk. You need that checked because that, that should not be elevated unless you're pregnant. And if it is, it's a sign of a tumor of the pituitary gland, potentially. And you need thyroid levels checked because thyroid abnormalities can cause milky nipple discharge. Neither of them are malignant, but that. Should I request a specific type of surgery?
personal decision. I mean, I've had two sisters that had breast cancer. One had lobular carcinoma in situ and um, she, it was diffuse. And then she had lobular invasive cancer. So we had to take the breast. We did an MRI mainly because lobular can be bilateral as you Sharon know, but for the, your audience, um, it's more likely to be in both breasts. So when she had her MRI, the opposite breast looked fine, but a year later, her mammogram was that normal. So here she is now with um, uh, a lobular carcinoma on the other breast. She had had a lumpectomy. She was doing just fine. She was stage one. Everything was great. But she said, you know what? Twice now, I'm done with this. Take them both. And I don't want reconstruction. Her sister had ductal carcinoma in situ before she was diagnosed had a lumpectomy, was doing fine, was stage two, did great. And the lady works in the hospital where I work. I'd see her, it'd been 22 years later, and she was still saying, I know I'm fine. I know it's never come back. But every time I have my mammogram, I feel some kind of way. And I wish I'd done what my sister did because she doesn't have a care in the world. And that's a false reality, but it was her reality. And I'm like, mm-hmm. when you looked at her, she, you know, she was her and she did not have any cosmetic deficit. You could barely see her scar because I put it around the areola and she had no mm-hmm. problems with radiation. Her breasts looked gorgeous. You wouldn't, you'd never know. She didn't tell you she had cancer. You would never know it. But in her mm-hmm. mind, it was this weight. She had like cold chills every time she went for a mammogram. I could never predict that that's how she would feel. So that's why it's a personal relationship. And Sometimes you can't tell how you're going to feel. I had another lady that opted for bilateral mastectomies, but then after she had her mastectomy, she just was like, I just feel like every time I go in the mirror, I just can't look at myself and I wish I hadn't done it. And so I can't predict it. She can't predict it. It's very, very personal. I tell people what is physically possible and what is biologically reasonable. And then here's your options. So before I start talking to Joan and Carmen, I want to ask or ask them to ask you questions. The question that we all want to ask. I'm looking for another doctor. Dr. Lisa, are you anywhere in, in the Philadelphia area? <laughs> Can you hear me? Okay. No, I'm actually uh, about uh, 20 days away from retiring, but I know there's people oh, here that are... Okay are equally uh, involved and, and see, see themselves in their patients. I mean, I could be Joan next year. I mean, the, the, one of the problems is, yes, we have more aggressive tumors, but also that we're diagnosed at a later stage. And, you know, trying to decide whether it's access to healthcare, implicit bias, um, uh, patients, noncompliance, all of the above is hard to ferret out. So I would say as a black woman in this country, knowing that you have a higher risk of getting breast cancer at a uh, later stage, then the onus is on us to take advantage of this screening um, sooner. And once again, minimize our risk of comorbidities, um, be aware of you know, our history and act accordingly. And like like your daughter, Joan, you know, if you have a daughter, I mean, she, she should be on it. Um, and then, you know, f- partner with a physician that you can talk to and trust and you have some confidence in. And if, if, if you get answers that just don't leave you satisfied, 
it's nothing personal. Go someplace else. They'll get over it. Get a second opinion uh, and be proactive about it. And, and, and most of all, keep that attitude of, you know, this is not going to be the end of me. Um, because I think the mental status, I mean, I think part of the reason why we have such poor outcomes across the board uh, is because we are so, uh, you know, every day in the life of being the black in America is a stress and stress diminishes your immune response. So whatever you can do to minimize that, whatever way you can find some sort of peacefulness and take control of your health and your mental well-being and your overall self-care, do that. And then, um, you know, don't just blindly accept things when you know in your gut something ain't right. Um, and, 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 you know, I understand that, you know, it can be hard because you're like, well, who do I trust? And when do I decide that they, they're, they're telling me what I need to hear versus what I want to hear? I know it's hard, but, you know, you have to get to some sort of comfort level. And that's, I, think that's all, I think that's all we can do. All right, Joan, I think I have my last question for you. If anyone has any other questions, feel free to ask. Um, kind of an, an emotional question, but the question is, what was the worst thing about getting this diagnosis? Um, I guess the worst thing was after the abruptness of the doctors um, t telling me that I had it, fear just overcame me that this would be the end. Um, and once I got over that fear, once I, I mean, it might have taken me a day or a couple days to get over the fear. But once I got over the fear, I said, well, wait a minute. God didn't bring me here to let me go. I've had cancer in my body for more than a year. And it's one of, it's a very aggressive type of cancer. Yet it stayed in one breast. And um, the prognosis is that, yes, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a journey, but it's a doable journey. And then that just kind of pumped me up. And I don't have a daughter, but I do have a granddaughter. And I said, I have to, and my granddaughter is 20. I have to show my granddaughter that anything is doable and I have to be strong for her. She had just lost a brother. And um, so that's what motivated me. Mm -hmm. um, health, healthy eating most of my life and exercising. I exercise at the Y all the time. I was in good shape. I ate healthy. So as a result of that, I have tolerated the, the chemotherapy um, better than I thought and better than a lot of my friends who have had it have told me um, that, that I was going to tolerate it based on their own experiences. So some, of, go. some of the issues that they have had, the vomiting, the nausea, I haven't had that. I've been on some of the toughest chemo, one of the ones they nicknamed Red Devil, which is called Doxorobicin. Um, they say that's a pretty tough one, um, but I've tolerated that. They said you couldn't eat with that and you'll get a metal taste in your mouth and you can't drink water and I'm a water guzzler. Well, that didn't happen to me. I ate and ate and ate instead of losing weight. Each time I go back to get an infusion, I've gained a pound or two. So I've had three different type of chemos and I've tolerated them all. Right now I'm on one called Paxitaxel. 
And that's my last one. And I'm tolerating that one okay, too. So I just, I'm glad, I thank God that I pretty much led a healthy life. And so as a result of that, um, you know, I'm tolerating it. I am going to have to have surgery. And I have decided on to, you know, I don't have a choice on one side, but I have decided to just have a, um, to just do both sides. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm older and I don't want to have to worry about later in life. Well, am I going to get cancer in this breast too? So um, I have made that decision and I'm okay with it. This concludes our discussion for now. We've heard so much. We understand that life will always throw us curveballs. And no matter if it affects someone we love, may we have the compassion and the love that Carmen shows. May we be able to find a doctor, not only with the surgical skill sets, but with the compassion of Dr. Lisa. And if we are the ones with the diagnosis, may we show the grace and the strength of Joan. Three women rising to the occasion. So tell me, what brings you here? Um, I am just so relieved find you. I'm so relieved to find a black woman doctor. I, honestly, I, it's there's none around where I live. I'm out in Horsham in Montgomery County. I drove an hour to get here. Um, and it just means